everybody. Welcome back to the Blackware Intelligence Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Before we get into the show, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor, FTX US. FTX US, one of the largest crypto companies in the United States, is the safest, most regulated way to buy and sell Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other digital assets. With FTX, you can trade crypto with up to 85% lower fees than top competitors. There are no fixed minimum fees, no ACH transaction fees, and no withdrawal fees. FTX has also recently announced their stocks beta rolling out to U.S. customers to enable crypto, stocks, and NFT trading in one interface. This includes hundreds of U.S. exchange-listed securities, including common stocks and ETFs, and an integrated experience within the existing FTX U.S. cryptocurrency trading application. Use promo code BLOCKWARE1 or go to ftx.blockwareintelligence.com to earn free crypto on every trade over $10. Again, that's Blockware one or go to ftx.blockwareintelligence.com to get started today. Now let's get into the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Blockware Intelligence Podcast. Today I'm joined by a co-host, our CEO, Mason Joppa, to interview a very special guest for you guys, Jason Les from Riot Blockchain. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. How are you doing? I'm good, Will. Thank you for having me. I think we can uh, first kick things off with just starting with what is Riot Blockchain and kind of what is the mission of the company? Sure. Uh, Riot Blockchain, publicly traded Bitcoin mining company here in North, North America. Uh, one of the largest Bitcoin mining companies that's you know publicly traded and also in North America. Um, it, it's kind of funny, you know, our, our mission a couple of years ago was to be uh, America's Bitcoin miner. We wanted to bring hash rate to the United States and we believe we'd be successful at that in further decentralizing uh, the Bitcoin mining network just because we were procuring so much hash rate and deploying it, you know, focus on deploying it here in the United States. And I believed we were gonna be successful kind of just on our merits of doing that. And then uh, the exodus of mining uh, occurred in China and that just propelled the United States from 7% of hash rate to like the most recent estimate I saw was creeping on 40% here. Uh, now I'd, I'd say uh, with, that, with that mission being accomplished a lot sooner than we thought, you know, our mission is to build a industrialized, vertically integrated Bitcoin mining company. Uh, we focus a lot on, you know, the end goal here is mining Bitcoin, but we focus a lot on all the different steps that we need to take to get to that point. So we're, we're doing that by engaging with a variety of other industries, building relationships, engaging in the community. And uh, we see our work as having a, a positive impact on the people, the communities, the companies, all the businesses that we interact. And that is a function of what Riot is doing. But I like to look at it as the, the function of what Bitcoin is doing. And Riot is really just the vehicle of all of that. No, that's, that's and really that makes sense. I do want to get to that, um, the migration of hash, especially, you know, we everyone knows about the, the big migration of hash out of China last year. But I first want to ask you, what was kind of behind the decision and of going public and also like, what was that process like of, of taking the company public? So Riot went public by means of a reverse merger going on almost five years ago now. It happened at the end of 2017. And the thinking back then, I, I was just on the advice. I, I joined the advisory board after Riot went public. So I wasn't a part of that uh, you know team and decision-making back then. But I know the thinking of the team then was, that there was interest in investing in the space and there was not 
enough, if any, public vehicles for investors to get exposure to the Bitcoin blockchain space without if they didn't want to buy you know Bitcoin themselves, which I think obviously I, I believe in a lot in, but not everyone you know wants to custody for themselves or they'd rather just trade good old fashioned uh, you know publicly traded uh, vehicles. So the company went public to address that need and originally was focused on was focused on Bitcoin mining from the beginning, but right at the very beginning was doing some other stuff as well. It was looking at launching an exchange. It had some strategic investments in the space. Uh, it was looking at doing a mining pool even and a couple of other things. And then over time, the company narrowed its focus into specifically Bitcoin and specifically Bitcoin mining. And that was, um, you know, it, it was a lot of work to get to that point. Riot started at the top of the 2017 bull market and starting at that gets you some initial kind of traction that's helpful. But after that, it, it was a lot of work to get the company turned around. But there was always that belief that having this public listing would be a, a, a great vehicle for raising capital and building a real enterprise Bitcoin mining operation. And I think that's where we are today. Yeah, I think that's... Uh... I think it's interesting to see the evolution of, of Riot. And uh, I think you were classified as a biotech company uh, at some point, uh, which is quite interesting. Uh, on the point of, you know, going public and public markets, you know, I really I really think that, you know, Riot and, and Mara, for, you know, were really kind of the first two major public, public to pave, or, uh, miners to pave the way for, for the rest of the market. Right now, I think we're seeing like a lot of saturation. And it seems, you know, left and right, we see a new SPAC or merger announced and some of those partnering with power companies, um, some of those are just new entities that think they have some type of advantage. What do you think about the saturation in the public markets? Do you think all these companies are going to make it? You know, there's there's certainly some interesting claims in these, you know, various SPAC or, or announcement decks and, and a lot of capital being raised with that being said. But what are your thoughts about the saturation of the public markets and, and where we're heading in the public markets as it relates to, to Bitcoin miners? Yeah, uh, you know, as you know, the space has gotten incredibly large like it was you know five years ago just a handful of companies you know two three publicly traded bitcoin mining companies and now i couldn't even tell you what the number is like 25 you know and probably that includes some that have pending listings but it's gone absolutely enormous the amount of companies going public and i think what a lot of these companies have been going after is the access to capital through a public listing during a time when there's been so much money flowing around in the system, trying to find its way somewhere that a lot of companies perceive going public as a, a, a great vehicle to kickstart their mining business, you know, raise a bunch of money, buy miners, and it, you know, it's off to the races. Um, one, it's a lot harder than that. You know, uh, you actually have to, you know, put these miners somewhere, you know, but you're raising capital and then buying miners is really only the first. I don't know what percent of the, of the challenge, you know, I think it's the minority percent of the challenge uh, when you, when, with all factors considered. Um, so I think what's, what, what's resulted in, we have a lot of companies that are trying to do it. I think that a lot of these companies are going to have a real challenge, you know, actually succeeding. And that kind of, uh, I, I think, um, I, I think there's a lot of different factors that these companies are, a lot of things these companies are discovering as they go through this process for the first time about what it takes to build this infrastructure, what it actually takes to get miners deployed. So um, 
you know, I, I think we're going to enter an, a pretty interesting time here going forward. Now with all these companies going public uh, and, and, you know, and trading out here, I think we're going to enter a period of consolidation. I think it's going to happen a lot quicker than people think, um, you know, especially amongst the companies that need a lifeline to, to kind of keep going. So it, 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 it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I'm very excited to see how the second half of the year plays out. Jason, can you talk to us about this new operation you guys have launched in Navarro, Texas? Uh, it was one gigawatt. You know, I saw this on your website recently over the last few weeks. Uh, can you kind of walk us through why, you know, why allocate there and uh, kind of what's what's the, you know, what's going on there? Yeah. So to take a, a, a quick step back. So Riot, a year ago, acquired, finished the acquisition of Windstone. At that time, it was 300 megawatts of developed capacity built out. We immediately launched a 400 megawatt expansion plan to take the site up to 700 megawatts, just shy of its total 750 megawatt capacity. We have a 750 megawatt tie into the uh, switchyard uh, uh, over here. So we have built something incredible here with the people, with the processes, with everything that we've learned through going through this, we have a model that we want to replicate. Bitcoin mining is a game of scale, you know. So I, I've told people, hey, you see us building to 700 megawatts of windstone. We're not just, you know, putting up the gloves after that and being like, okay, this is good, you know, 700 megawatts is enough. No, we're incredibly proud of what we built here. When this expansion is complete, I'm pretty confident this is going to be the largest Bitcoin mining facility in the world, um, it, it, unless there's some uh, other other secret site bigger than 700 megawatts out there. So. Uh, the natural evolution is to take this model, take what we've learned here and replicate that somewhere else. And that's exactly what we're doing in Navarro County. We have a one gigawatt connection there. So slightly bigger than what we have here, about 50% bigger. And we're basically doing it all over again. You know, we built, we built Windstone here. Let's pick it up now go down. Thankfully only two hours away uh, near a great community. And we are going to build uh, now 10 100 megawatt buildings over time. Our first, uh, the first phase of the expansion that we announced is 400 megawatts. And we're excited about doing all immersion for this. It's going to be one gigawatt, 10 buildings of all immersion infrastructure. And yeah, you, you were hitting on the, what we wanted to talk about next, but uh, congrats on joining the gigawatt club. I think uh, all of us have been talking about megawatts for many years and, and back in uh, 2017, you know, if you had a megawatt of miners, you were you were fairly large, especially in the states. Um, you know, thinking about the percentage of mining that was taking place in the states, you know, maybe we were less than we were one percent or less. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so we went from talking about kilowatts to megawatts, and and you're the first company that I've heard that has announced the gigawatt level. So that's that's a huge achievement. Well, and, well, to be to be fair, of course, scientific is you know a huge mining company as well. They have over a yeah. gigawatt, like, you know, underdeveloped, but for us, we're, you know, in one site doing one gigawatt on one site, uh, something we're very proud of. Yeah, that's my point. I knew core was sizable, but yeah, I think just one gigawatt in one location, I've never heard of that. And it's amazing also that Texas has an infrastructure. So um, this takes to the next point that we want to talk about. And in, in, in my opinion, and I believe this is true. And I know we've talked about Jason's Jason and and for those who don't know, I'm also on the advisory board of of, of uh, Riot Blockchain, um, so I know some things. But beyond that, um, <laughs> you're you're the largest immersion miner in the world, right? So I believe you're going to have uh, 
you have a lot of immersion deployed now. You're going to have 200 megawatts of immersion deployed this year. I think that stat line's correct or, or confirm that. So why don't we talk about immersion and talk about some of the advantages that you're seeing? Um, run us through some of the the specs. You know what? How how much can you overclock to the machines? Um, what kind of wattage efficiencies are you getting? Um, have you seen, you know, do you think there'll be longevity in these machines? You know, everyone's talking about immersion, um, but, you know, I think for a lot of us, we've been waiting for the cost basis to come down and for companies like yourself to, to validate and prove that this was a long-term solution and, and to have machines like the S19s that were, you know, built very well and perfect for immersion, in my opinion. So just want to hear your thoughts and, and it's exciting that you're going to have, you know, a gigawatt of immersion expanded at the next site. Yeah. And so, you know, as you noted, so right here in the expansion that we're building at Windstone right now, we have two buildings, 200 megawatts of immersion cooling infrastructure. As far as I'm aware, uh, no one is building immersion at that scale before. So we you know, view this as the first industrial scale deployment of immersion cooling for Bitcoin mining. Uh, and it's kind of funny. I was, you know, I'm out here at Winston right now and I was walking around seeing that, you know, the first building of immersion is almost completely done. And the second building is charging right along. And uh, I was reflecting with the team here that, you know, a year ago, May 26 is the one year anniversary of the acquisition of Winston. So a year ago, we finished this acquisition and immediately we're talking about expansion, right? And we were talking about uh, constraints in the supply chain and you know stuff like that and one of the things that was actually impacting was steel structures for building air-cooled buildings so we knew if we wanted to build quick we actually had to go to the immersion route because we didn't need those steel structures we could use you know the sprung buildings out here that we do and you know we were talking about the team and they're like hey listen we've been working on this immersion for a while uh we believe we can get this done and so we made the decision okay this is uh a risk we're taking but the, the strategy is here, the plans are here. Uh, let's go out and do this. Like, and it kind of approach it with the philosophy of we, we, we just have to do it. You know, it's kind of a mindset to put yourself in, not like, oh, let's go try this out and hopefully it'll work. It was like, no, we, we have to do this. So everyone figure out how to do this. And that's where we got there. And immersion is, is really important for a number of factors. One, keeping these machines operating cool, keeping in this controlled, um, less volatile environment improves the longevity. So if for, for that benefit alone, immersion is great. Uh, we have air cooling working well out here in Texas with our evaporative cooling walls, but immersion is all the better. And you know, even if it wasn't, you were even if you weren't in this hot of an environment in Texas, keeping your machines running at that sustained temperature really helps reduce the strain and uh, minimizes degradation of the machines. And if you believe the S19 is going to be economically competitive for a long time, like I do, that is a, you know, a, a huge value to get. You look at research that has been done on the S19s as well, their efficiency is very sensitive to their operating temperature. So you are keeping them operating at a cool temperature, you are getting the best efficiency results out of them. Uh, of course, you get you know, efficiency by removing the fans and not having to power those, but that gain is somewhat offset just by the energy required to operate the immersion tanks kind of in general, but that, basically a wash approximately. Uh, the second biggest benefit is the ability to overclock and get more hash rate out of these machines. Being able to get more hash rate with this type of technology or infrastructure advantage and not have to solely rely on purchasing ASICs that has a delay, a higher cost, et cetera, uh, is a great tool for us to have. Now, we don't have any 
results we can really uh, discuss yet. We're still kind of we're still very evaluated, very closely evaluating this. It's a, it's a something we're being very careful about because we want to make sure we have our data down right, and then we want to roll out with a plan that we know is going to be safe on our machines and you know get ultimate results. But if you look at uh, some of the other research that has been out there uh, that other companies put out, you can see that 20 to 25 percent overclock is very doable without any meaningful loss in efficiency. So very uh, optimistic about what we're going to be able to do here with the full deployment of immersion. That's super interesting. And Jason, I kind of want to back up just a bit. You know, our listeners, we have a very wide kind of spectrum of, you know, all the way from kind of noobs or, or for lack of a better word of, you know, new market entrants all the way to very sophisticated people like you and Mason, right? And so from a high level, can you just talk to our audience, what makes a good mining operation? What are some of the different components that make a good mining operation? So first and foremost is that low cost of power. Um, and I think we're seeing now people are finally remind, getting reminded about how important that is. It's very easy to only focus on scale and to find hash rate and just get anything running when the market's up huge, you know, the ma margins for Bitcoin mining are massive. People are less sensitive about that cost because they think things are going to be amazing forever. Hey, I, I've lived through lots of market cycles. I know, Mason, you, you've lived through lots of market cycles. Like you understand how important that energy cost is to building a sustainable business. So you need that core, you, that, that, that low energy cost is just super foundational in having a successful mining operation. Uh, and then I think a lot of the other factors come in uh, based on the scale. But I'll, I'll tell you for me, the number two thing after that energy cost is people. Having good people, having a good team, having people that are passionate about what they do, believe in what they do, and they're going to fight for that operation, you know, like it's their own, and it, you know, as it very well may be their own if they're an equity holder in it. So uh, I, I think that's very important. So I'd encourage people that would be looking to get into mining to make sure that you have that low cost energy, and that's going to uh, be relatively constant for a long time period. So it's not going to, you know, get the rug pulled out on from up from underneath you 12 months in after you already bought a bunch of miners. Uh, and then also make sure that you know what you're doing or you're working with people who know what you're doing and maybe, maybe find a way to bet them for yourselves and not just trust them. If they say I'm a Bitcoin mining expert. <laughs> yeah, it's, it there's a lot of uh, self-proclaimed Bitcoin mining experts in the world now. I, I see a new broker or a new, a new uh, individual that has you know a hundred megawatt site available with this. Um, but there's all you know. Make sure you read the fine print. I think Jason's exactly right. There's you need to do a lot of diligence in the sector and and ensure that your your operations up for long-term focus. Um, I think also to that point, um, capital markets are very important, and and debt is becoming available at at reasonable costs. You know, certainly it's, it's easier when you're a publicly traded company like Riot. Um, but Jason, where do you, what do you think about, you know, the, the creditors and, and institutions that are coming into this space to lend in this space? So th there's creditors coming in that will lend against miners. Um, so we can talk a little bit about that. But also, you know, people forget you can, you're using infrastructure that's been used for a long time. You know, the transformers, the switch gears, um, the electrical infrastructure, the manufacturing, the building themselves, the land. These are all things that you can lend against. So, so what do you think about um, the, the, the lenders that are entering the space and the evolution of that? And, and you know, this is a capital intensive business. So it's really important that we have that 
Um, and we, and I know that both of us worked hard to mining pill these, these individuals and they're, and they're very diligent, but um, let's just talk a little bit about that. And I think it's giving opportunity for people, you know, with access to that capital, they're, they're able to actually build. Yeah. A financing strategy is one of the next big pillars in Bitcoin mining as well. How are you financing that business? Okay. You know, if you're a public company, you can raise equity and that is a, a tool to get money. It doesn't always mean that's the best tool. Um, as this industry has matured, there's, as you noted, there's a bunch more options entering in this space. You can lend against machines. You can uh, lend against infrastructure. Uh, I, I believe uh, Argo did an infrastructure back loan. Uh, they announced a, a couple months ago, or something around that. So having infrastructure is, is another big advantage. And you're right, it does have a long-term uh, life, lifespan to it. The form factor of miners might change, but I think we can all be confident that miners are still going to use power. And that's the bulk of what we have here with infrastructure. We're building, we have high voltage equipment that's feeding into low, uh, medium voltage that's feeding into low voltage and all the switch gear around that. Um, that is pretty, that you're going to be able to, you know, move that around to different use cases kind of, in my opinion, no matter what type of evolution mining takes. Um, might require some configuration, but the bulk of that stuff is valuable for long, long term. So that makes it excellent collateral as well. I think what we have seen so far is more Bitcoin focused companies offering lending options uh, in the space. So companies like, for example, Nidig, you know, one of the leaders in the space, uh, Galaxy Digital, Galaxy Digital Foundry, etc. All, all these companies are in here in the space uh, offering options to uh, Bitcoin miners. And I think the next kind of big step here is seeing institutions that are not specifically focused on this space jumping in here and offering options. I think that's you know interesting from two perspectives. One, it'll drive more competition in the space and that should hopefully be good for us uh, you know or for the for the miner to get lower cost of capital and then uh two i think it's a symbol of the advancement of the industry i think it's a symbol of what bitcoin and bitcoin mining has accomplished if you find it if you see a bank that's not specific in bitcoin mining getting involved in the space so i'm, I'm excited about it from both of those perspectives Jason, have, you know, obviously we've seen a, a slowdown in all capital markets over the last few months, as we've just seen a lot of kind of macro uncertainty. Uh, have, have those events kind of slowed down the amount of capital that's come into the mining space? Or do you see it as just over time, as you know, the value proposition of Bitcoin increases, network effects grow, you're just going to see more capital over time just come in through that. Uh, but in the kind of the shorter term, have you kind of seen a slowdown or uh, has it, have, you know, people just been so hungry to get involved in miners that they don't even care? Uh, no, no, I, th I think that, you know, that there's definitely been um, constraints in the market as a whole. And I j just simply look at what's happened to all the Bitcoin mining stocks over the past couple couple weeks or you know, a month or so. The, the entire industry has taken a downturn and, you know, our volumes share wise have remained somewhat the same. However, those shares are now worth less. So the overall dollar volume being traded around these stocks has uh, declined quite a bit. You know, that being said, there, uh, I still see I still see deals trying to get done. I still see people trying to get money in the space. What I think is interesting now is I think over the past year, we've seen a lot of more institutions getting interested in looking at Bitcoin mining. And I think some have been hesitant to enter as the industry kind of appeared to be at a top. Um, and I, well, not, not, not 
literally a top, but the fact that the price had gone up so much, um, hash rate had gone down so much with uh, the, the exodus of mining from China that I think hash rate then became so expensive, new to buy, it was constrained. I think there was a lot of money that was you know, interested. They saw what Bitcoin mining could do, but did not want to enter at like you know, kind of the top of the market. Now, I wonder how that might change. The story that we like to tell about Bitcoin mining, it is, is the ideal tool to accumulate Bitcoin. If you are an efficient operator at Bitcoin mining, you are effectively purchasing Bitcoin at a discount to market uh, by virtue of your cost of production. If you're, if you're an efficient operator with low cost. And what I'm interested in is, you know, pitching that story kind of going forward to institutions that are looking into get, that are looking at getting into Bitcoin. You know, mining is your tool to get into uh, Bitcoin mining or investing in miners is your tool to get into Bitcoin. So uh, I, I, I think, you know, for, for those who that have a longer term outlook, for those that have had reserved capital been waiting at the sidelines, uh, when you see a downturn like this, it, it is a potentially an interesting time to get involved in the industry in some way. And I'll add, I, 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 don't, I don't think the debt markets are, are, are slowing down. Um, I think uh, we still see uh, debt deals doing, getting, getting done, minor back loans, infrastructure back loans, et cetera. So I, I think that capital will still be available, although I think it is getting a little more expensive. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, I was following uh, one of the VCs I follow on Twitter was telling me that, and, and data shows that you know, VC balance sheets and cash are at an all-time high. So there's, there's a lot of capital to deploy, but I think the general macro environment with, you know, the equity sell-off, you see um, the Fed hiking interest rates, you know, it's a bear market. It, it certainly is. Um, Bitcoin has held up nicely, you know, with, with a lot of the recent uh, macro news that has taken place. I mean, this year has been nothing short of wild. Um, everything that you couldn't have imagined has happened, it seemed, you know, with, with mm -hmm. a war and economic crises. It's been, been insane. Uh, yeah, the Luna, Luna, you know, entering the fixture and collapsing of a stable coin. And, and that, you know, unfortunately was tied to Bitcoin because they use their they, LFG um, association, use their reserves to buy Bitcoin. And then, but Bitcoin survived that sell off. So if anything, it, yeah. you know, it signaled a lot of strength for Bitcoin. And you were just so yeah, yeah so so yeah just just to sorry to interrupt real quick but like you yeah. know you you mentioned bear market you know if we if we are entering a prolonged bear market now uh, I I have no idea to know if that that's the case or not but no matter what in my view Bitcoin it is all, if you're a Bitcoin mining operator it is important to always be scaling and when you enter downturns in the market that's when hash rate gets cheaper and that tends to be the best time to expand and grow your operations. Riot got itself to the position it is, is because we were raising money and buying hash rate when COVID was first hitting the world, uh, Bitcoin was crashing to 3,500, but we were committed to this, you know, we were committed to our mission, we were committed to our long-term view on Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. So we wanted to raise money and continue to accumulate hash rate. And, you know, from our, from our experience, it's important to continue uh, continue doing that. Now, when you enter a bear market, that could have impacts on, you know, your cost of capital or availability of capital. Uh, nonetheless, uh, when prices of hash rate starts going down and supply machine starts increasing, that, that's, that's really the ideal time uh, to be growing your operations. So didn't mean to interrupt you, just wanted to add that. No, I agree. I think, yeah, 
Miners are super unique because, you know, a company like Riot, when you look at your Bitcoin break-even costs, you know, it could be 10,000 or less, right? Likely less. I mean, a lot of that's factored in, you know, by the difficulty and, and price of Bitcoin itself. And then your energy costs, which is a majority of your, your running operational expenditures. Um, so so I, I totally agree with you. And, but miners are in a unique position up front because in a bear market, if we are in a bear market, right, we're making money in a sideways market, we make money. So it is the best time to build and we are seeing, you know, from the block refresh, you know, cheap, cheap rigs available, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then, but you need a place to 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 host those rigs, and there's not many hosts available. Um, and that's when I was curious. I know, you know, Winston was doing hosting, or is is the next site? And that you didn't mention this complete self mining. Are you going to be doing any hosting in the future? Are you going, you know, when your when your Winston contracts run out that you currently have with your current clients on the hosting front? Are, are you going to take that over and self-mine? Is, is Riot just going to be a self-mining company only? No, Riot wants to continue expanding its self-mining and hosting operations. Uh, to date, the capacity we've had at Winstone, the capacity that we've been building, we have been utilizing for self-mining because, I mean, we, we just frankly have needed it for the minor purchase orders that we've entered into. But, you know, going forward, we're building the first 400 megawatts of another one gigawatt of capacity. Uh, we, we are... That's a lot of capacity in the pipeline here. So we're going to be looking at expanding both our self-mining and our hosting operations. So um, we're looking forward to that, having those conversations. We think we have a very compelling hosting uh, offering because, because of the immersion component to it, because we can take customer machines and you know, potentially get more hash rate out of them without too much of an efficiency loss. Uh, we think we've demonstrated our ability to build and maintain a world-class operation. So we think we inspire a lot of confidence uh, from that perspective as well. So yeah, answer to your question, we are looking at growing both our self-mining and hosting uh, sides of our business, segments of our business, as we build out into Corsicana here over the next 12 months. It, it makes sense to uh, to grow hosting. It's nice having like a consistent revenue stream, you know, that isn't completely tied to Bitcoin's performance, right? Um, and and or, or even even if it was, <laughs> even if, yeah. even if even if you did have a hosting agreement that was like performance yeah. fee based, the fact is, then you're able to get a piece of hash rate without having to buy that hash rate yourself. Only the cost of the infrastructure, you know, which, which is compelling, you know, based on what your cost of capital is at that time. Yeah, I agree with you exactly. And and for those who don't know, there's there's profit share agreements, right? Where where, where hosting companies offer an all-in energy rate plus a percentage of your mining rewards. And so those those have evolved and um, become fairly common in the industry, um, given how that you know the way I see it, hosting demand um, far outseeds supply, and, and especially the quality of hosting sites, right? You know, like a, a company like Riot, uh, Winstone, that you know is proven to be. Um, an excellent hosting facility. Those there's not many of those, so um, I'm sure you'll you'll fill up quickly on your your hosting capacity. Um, so those interested should definitely reach out sooner than later. We were and you were discussing this earlier um, on the hash rate front. So where do you where do you see hash rate heading um, over the next couple of years? You know we have the having in, in approximately two years, depending on the network. You know could be two years from today. From it's planning up to be something like that, and then and then through the next cycle. And then as well, you know, on top of that question, you know, it, 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 from what I'm seeing, it looks like we're, we've been in a state where, you know, Bitcoin um, price has outpaced difficulty, especially at the exodus. But I think we're at a point where a lot of those Chinese capitulated machines, you know, found new homes and then you had a lot of net new plugins. Um, so now we're at a point where difficulty has been, you know, 
vastly outpacing Bitcoin price. Um, so it goes back to some of what you're talking about. You know, you need to make sure you have cheap energy costs because that's the majority of your costs. So um, any comments you have on that? And then, you know, what are your thoughts on the, the growth of hash rate um, and, and where we're heading in the future from that perspective? Yeah, I mean, the, the phenomenon you're talking about is basically like what we saw in mid-2018, right? Or you know, 2018 on. Price of Bitcoin had gone up and then hash rate continued to grow even though price was not moving in, the, you know, the... the, the the, the same direction. And that is what really starts to constrain uh, margins for miners. Like the two inputs are working against each other for you. So I, you know, I believe that the previous estimates were reaching a hash rate of uh, network hash rate of like 327x hash by the end of the year, or some estimates at 340. Um, I think 300 is be starting to become a lot more realistic. I mean, we're oscillating between 200, 215 right now. We're halfway through the year. So that it'd have to be a really back-end loaded year to reach that target. I think, I think, a, I think a, a number of things are working against reaching that target. Um, one, people are seeing that building infrastructure is harder than uh, building a PowerPoint presentation. So you know, doing this stuff uh, for the first time, I think becomes challenging for a lot of these big projects that were announced. Two, there are supply chain constraints that impact a lot of the components, smaller components that people maybe don't even think about when building a large scale operation, but matter. Uh, we feel we're well positioned to, to mitigate a lot of those because we bought our own electrical engineering uh, equipment and manufacturing company called ESS Metron. So we have a greater visibility in the supply chain because of that. But you know, miners without that, I think are going to uh, have supply chain constraints on a, on a number of materials and uh, building out their infrastructure, which will impact the ability for that hash rate to get turned on. And then finally, uh, the energy markets are going to make it more difficult for people to get power as well. Uh, it, the, the cost of energy ha has gone up kind of re really globally. And if you were banking on a medium cost before and that medium up, that may change people's minds about whether they want to energize right away or wait till better market conditions. So I am now at this point, I think I'm pessimistic about network hash rate reaching even 300 exahash by the end of the year, but we'll, we'll see how things develop. Yeah, interesting. I mean, we, we broke the uh, you know 200 plus exahash range and I think you're right. I think to add to that point, you know, we, we've done some analysis and probably plus minus, you know, 5%, around 20% of the network are still S9s. Um, so, you know, you'll see those come offline. You see a lot of yep. retail miners paying high energy rates. You know, this is Bitcoin's and Bitcoin miners specifically. It's so fascinating because it's a, it's a counterbalancing mechanism that exists, um, you know, as profitability adjusts for miners. You know, those that become unprofitable come offline. So you mentioned ESS Metron. Yeah. And, you know, I saw this announcement and, and I'm lucky enough to, you know, have direct line to you, but I, do, I don't think people realize the significance of this purchase and, and how it kind of made you into a completely vertically integrated company. And, and I don't know if I, if there's any other Bitcoin miner that owns uh, a company like ESS Metron. So why don't you talk a little bit about ESS Metron and, and, and what they were, what they do, um, what, what, what it can do for Riot. And um, it was interesting to learn, you know, some of the companies and, and services that you were providing or ESS Metron provided to not just the Bitcoin mining industry, but, 
into um, the general electrical infrastructure industry and, and the client base that you have. You know, some some very large companies were buying from ESS Metron. So I think it's it'd be interesting to hear more about that. Yeah, ESS Metron, you know, amazing acquisition for us, really driven by the fact that we've worked with them for so long. And when I say we, I mean Winstone, even before Riot acquired uh, Winstone, worked with ESS Metron and their team from the very beginning. So a great group of guys who shared the vision of building out this facility, have been involved in the innovation going through it, a part of the immersion project from the beginning, uh, was a was just a great fit with our team already. I mean, they were essentially kind of already a part of the team here. Um, so when we looked at the massive expansions that we had going on, you know, building out 400 megawatts and thinking that we knew we wanted to do so much more than that, we knew we were gonna need a lot of electrical gear. And a lot of people talk about high voltage transformers and sure that is, you know, a big item, big purchase, long lead. But when, when you think about what you need to build one gigawatt of infrastructure, the amount of low voltage gear, medium voltage, switch gear, um, panel boards, like all these things that need to come in, you need a lot of them. So we wanted to become more vertically integrated and have this expertise engineering and manufacturing in-house so we could de-risk our expansion. So we had better visibility on what the availability of materials would be and be sure that we could get what we needed to meet our deadlines. And then two, obviously, you know, decrease our cost. We are taking the cost before, you know, previously being a customer of ESS Metron and then effectively turning it into revenues. Now we, we own that company and we're making money off, off that as well. As you noted, they serve um, a number of other industries besides Bitcoin mining. Uh, one of the main ones now being you know, data centers. Data centers similar to Bitcoin mining need a ton of this electrical gear. So it, it's very cool to have you know, a connection to that industry as well and be a supplier of both ourselves and this you know, other types of digital infrastructure that is similar to what we do. Jason, I, I know we're, we're running pretty short on time. And last thing I want to ask you is, We've had like an incredible amount of geopolitical uncertainty this year. I mean, as we kind of talked about earlier, it's been a wild year. Uh, what is the importance of mining in a stable political jurisdiction? Man, it, it, it's huge because, you know, we've been talking about on this podcast, right? Mining is so capital intensive. You're deploying so much capital into building things that really cannot be moved. I, I mean, okay, theoretically they can be moved, but you cannot build, you know, a hundred megawatt building and then pick it up and move it. I mean, it's hard enough moving. If you had tens of thousands of miners, that would be very difficult to move as well. Um, nonetheless, all the infrastructure that you need to get those miners running and hashing. So when you're thinking about deploying that capital, it's very important to be deployed in an environment where you have the most certainty you, you, you can get that that's not going to be disrupted by you know, political influences, you know, over time. I, I honestly like, okay, as North American miners, we benefited from that hash rate being shut off in China or exiting China, but also as miners, you got to relate to those guys and feel bad what that must've been like, like to have these massive operations and just have them shut down and know that you cannot do anything about it. You can't pick up and move. That's, uh, that's really, really depressing. So because of that, we think a lot about where we deploy our capital and where we're growing our mining operations. Naturally, that's why we cho have chosen Texas to be the, the focal point of where all of our buildings going on. You, you really, in my opinion, cannot ask for a better 
political environment where you have the governor of Texas, you have the energy grid of Texas, you have all these partners that understand and value Bitcoin mining. That makes us feel a lot safer about where we're deploying this capital. And that's, you know, Texas is great from that geopolitical standpoint, that attitude around Bitcoin mining, that support of Bitcoin as a whole is great, but also like the energy market here is just fantastic. They have, ERCOT is this incredibly well interconnected, large capacity grid that has very competitive energy prices as a result of being de uh, deregulated. So, uh, you know, from both the political and economic standpoint, Texas is a amazing place to do business, an amazing place to be a Bitcoin company or a Bitcoin miner. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I think that's a, a good place to wrap it up. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Mason, thanks for helping me co-host this and get in the weeds. I couldn't have gotten through this one without you into some of the more advanced mining you know, stuff. So appreciate uh, you, know, you coming on the show and hopefully we could get you back in maybe a few quarters. Is there any uh, last words you kind of want to leave the listeners with as we uh, approach this time of uncertainty for BTC? Uh, well, hey, you know, first, thank you. Once again, thank you for having me. Uh, having me. Yeah, certainly would like to come back uh, you know, again in the future and talk more. Um, if you, if your question about, you know, viewers and the uncertainty of the market, hey, look back on the history of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is all about having a low time preference, long term view of where this is going. If, if this volatility is going to disrupt you, I suggest learning more about Bitcoin and reinforcing your investment thesis and rethinking about if you want to be involved at all. And I hope the conclusion that you get to through that exercise is, this is a transformative technology. This is a transformative tool that is going to impact the world unlike probably anything ever has. And if you believe in that, then your, your, your investment thesis should be, uh, have a very long-term outlook and um, this volatility will feel like a blip in the past. Awesome. Take care, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jason.